Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Kansas City jazz legend, saxophonist and educator, Bobby Watson. He grew up in Kansas City, Kansas, and started taking piano lessons at the age of 10. From there, he attended junior high and high school in Minneapolis, where he learned saxophone. He went on to attend the University of Miami and moved on to New York to begin his professional career. He met and started a fruitful union with his mentor, Art Blakey. We discussed this chart-topping new 2019 CD, Bird at 100, and he talked about the upcoming 100th birthday for Charlie Parker, new touring plans, and recording. So his 20-year tenure at UMKC will come to an end. He will retire from academia at the end of the 2019-20 school year, and his impact has been monumental and key to the renaissance in Kansas City. He trained more than 100 musicians since he arrived at UMKC in 2000, and now at 66, it's high tide for him to dedicate himself to performing, composing, and recording full-time. Take a listen to Bobby and dig this interview, my friends. Hey, Bobby, thanks for taking a minute out tonight. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Joe. Thank you. You bet. So let's talk about Bird at 100. This album is doing so good on the charts. Personally, I've listened to this thing. I've exhausted it in my car driving around. It's a beautiful (laughs) recording power lineup this had to be a fun record to make oh it was it was a lot of fun and i learned a lot you know just being around them guys and uh, especially mr bartz who's uh both our elders he turns 80 this year so it's amazing absolutely well and obviously kansas city's going to get geared up for the big hundred celebration what what does that mean to honor the, the the patron saint of the jazz scene in kansas city well, as I've been saying, it's a, it's a very fortunate time and blessed time to be from Kansas City and play alto. Absolutely, absolutely. It just means, you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime um, event, in my, you know, opportunity, event. Um, I don't know what other word to use. It's just great. It's just stars flies up, you know. Yeah. It's too many... Uh, things to, to make it happen, and I'm able to be a part of it in, in many ways. So you're preparing for getting out to Europe and to do some touring with this. Talk to me a little bit about what you're going to do to play this live. We're doing something in Poland. Uh, the Polish musicians are just here uh, first week of uh, February, and, um, and we're going over there. And uh, I'm going to meet Vincent Herring and the guys. Uh, and we're going to do a concert over there. And um, then we got some other stuff around the birthday of Bird. On Bird's birthday, we're playing uh, in Buffalo, New York at a concert. And then we're doing the Charlie Parker Festival in New York uh, the next day on the 30th. And um, maybe something in Kansas City. Uh, at the Folly in conjunction with the American Jazz Museum in November. I think it's the 7th of November, I believe. Right on. Yeah. So, so you were, you were coming to the end of your 20-year tenure at UMKC. Um, you are going to retire at the end of the 1920 school year. You've yeah. done so much for that program and Talk to me a little bit about your recollections of what what it's been like to be there for two plus decades. Well, it's been an incredible experience for me as it uh, I 
it, it changed my life in a lot of ways. I grew as a musician, being able to have access to any type of music I wanted to play. We could order it if we didn't have it. So I got to explore a lot of repertoire that I always wanted to, like Oliver Nelson, Duke Ellington, uh, Frank Foster, Jimmy Heath, uh, Jack Walrath, Paquito uh, uh, Di Rivera, John Faddis, um, so many, uh, Nicholas Payton, Sean Jones, uh, Kenny Drew Jr., uh, just to name a few, Curtis Fuller, we had him out here, Benny Goldson, he did his, his uh, a lot of his music, Ron Carter, uh, Joe Chambers, <laughs> and mm. having the band there, um, I was able to write for the band, and uh, doing the record, the Gates Barbecue Suite, and getting it on the, the jazz airplay charts up to number two, and watching all these students grow as people and as musicians. Uh, many of them have families now and are still playing. Uh, several of them, many of them, are teaching in different universities around the world, really, around the world and around the country. Um, New Hampshire, Nate Joyson, uh, University of New Hampshire, Michael Schultz, I think it's Tennessee University, Louisville. So, so many, you know. It's a, I was making a list the other day of uh, students, and I, I have to continue. I couldn't finish it all. <laughs> it's just so many. It's just overwhelming, uh, Joe. Just the lives that we've been in contact. And, and the thing of it is, Joe, I didn't do it by myself. I have great, great supporting faculty. Bob Bowman was there, Todd, uh, Todd Strait was there, Gerald Spates, Stan Kessler is there, uh, Roger Wilder, yeah. he's on staff, uh, Marcus Lewis, uh, in the past we had Horace Washington, uh, Mike Warren, all these people have been involved, Dan Thomas, who was my right-hand man for many years, co-director, and he did a lot for recruiting and uh, uh, remodeling the curriculum. Um, so I had a lot of help and support from the administration. So, you know, I just have always tried to set the tone for the uh, uh, department and um, the environment um, that the students would have to work in and and challenge them uh, to try to uh, get that flavor. I just using my experience and trying to share that with them in a real life manner, just by my actions and the way I uh, uh, dealt with them and uh, treating them as adults and as professionals, not as students necessarily. I jumped. I told them that the big band, our big bands and combos, especially the big band, that's not a class. That's a, they're in my band. That's the Bobby Watson big band, otherwise known as the concert jazz band, uh, CON 323. 
you know, whatever the class number is, 303. You see, that's for the records. But in reality, they're in my band, and I treated them as professionals. And we had a chance to travel all over the world, uh, Japan, and Europe, um, and across the country. So it's been really quite a ride, you know. So what are you going to miss the most? Uh, I think I'm going to miss walking into work and hearing all the music being played in the practice room in the mornings. Uh, You know, some mornings you might not feel so up, but you walk in and you say, man, what could be better than this? It's, It's raining cats and dogs outside. And it's 10 o'clock in the morning, and we're getting ready to talk about some music. And I hear all the students in there practicing, big cacophony of sound. And I said, man, I'm going to miss that. I was up there today teaching private lessons all day today, and uh, from 10 from 10 o'clock to 5:30, and the time just flew by, you know. So yeah. it's uh, it's great. I'm uh, doing something you love. The one thing that I, I've witnessed myself, and I think there's a lot of people that would corroborate on this, is that Kansas City has become a destination. Um, it used to be a place, I think, that, that kind of was seen as a springboard. But I think you heralded in this environment where these cats wanted to stay, and they made this environment a thriving environment. There's a renaissance in this town. How do you feel about oh, that? Oh, I believe, I, I agree with you, Joe. And, um, you know, it's the, the the older jazz community uh, readily embraced them and uh, has been feeding off their energy. I think it's inspired the older ones that have been around to uh, create because uh, the younger ones got that energy and they're they're eager to learn and uh, cut their teeth and get that experience. So it's really fueled a whole, like you say, renaissance here in Kansas City. And most of the guys that came here to my town, they stayed. <laughs> and like you said, it's just been, you know, because Kansas City is a great place to live and there's a lot of stuff going on here and uh, culturally and and whatnot, you know. And, um, yeah, I, it's, it's, it, is, it is a destination. You know, there are some musicians, I believe, in the near future that will be moving out here from the East Coast to live in Kansas City. Um because of a lot of things, the scene, the the openness of uh, musicians here, and uh, and of course the cost of living. You know, the students can live real good here, and uh, it's been wonderful. I mean, it's beyond my wildest expectations. You know, absolutely. And you're leaving it in good hands with the likes of trombonists, Mitch Butler. So I'm sure this tradition is going to continue. Oh, yes. I mean, here he came in from Atlanta. And so it's just um, people are coming here. And um, we got people like um, Dominique Sanders, who's out producing in the in the uh, R&B and hip-hop world, as well as jazz. He's in, in California. He's, he's in South Africa right now working on a big project. And Herman Mahari, who uh, resides in France, for a good portion of the year, comes back and forth. And um, it's just incredible to see, you know. And I I, re- I feel very fortunate um, during the time I came back. When I first got back, I was always saying, 
it's a great time to be in Kansas City. It's a great time to be in Kansas City. And um, it's, it's, it's just growing. So many things have happened positively uh, here since I've been back. And, uh, and, the, and the whole community has embraced me and the students. And it's just been like a dream come true. You know, a lot of times in life, we're only as good as the shoulders we stand on, the giants that we stand on. Who is, who is a very noted mentor or teacher in your life that kind of set the tone for the way that you teach and who you are? Oh, I, without doubt, Art Blakey, you know, because he ran it. He, the Jazz Messengers was an institution of uh, jazz finishing school um, where you got your uh, graduate degree there. And uh, it really was. And uh, he saved so many people like me uh, at least 10 years of searching around and guessing. And the way he laid it out, and he taught by example. And that's what I always try to do when I got here. I kept my horn in the student's face, and I taught by example. I just didn't want to be a talking head at the blackboard. I could demonstrate. I think it's very important uh, to be able, as a jazz musician, to be able to demonstrate what you're talking about. And that really uh, earns respect from the students because uh, you could talk about it, but they actually want to they hear you do it. And so that was always been very important to me to be able to demonstrate what I'm talking about, no matter what I'm talking about. And that motivates them to go try to see that it's, uh, it is possible. And then bringing in guest artists of all ages so that they can see, because sometimes they might say, well, he's uh, at his age. Uh, sure, of course he can do it, but I'm young. So I bring in some young ones that can do it, you know? <laughs> they go, oh, I guess we better get on it, you know? <laughs> just because you, just because you're in Kansas City, don't mean that you know you, you you shouldn't have that drive and that dedication, you know, yeah. and that focus, you know. Because there's people all, I tell them, there's people all over the world your age that are practicing right now, and there's no reason you can't be doing it here in Kansas City, and especially with our tradition, with the tradition we got here, and Kansas City itself is a big recruiting tool. You know, they have nice schools and. Uh, and, um, Des Moines or somewhere out in the, the middle, Kalamazoo or whatever, but there's no scene. You know, they may have to drive two hours, you know, to Chicago or two hours down to uh, Memphis or whatever, you know, up to Cleveland or something. But uh, right here, it's right here, right here among us. It's a it's a international destination for for tourists and artists and. Uh, it's great. You know, it makes recruiting easier, too. And the students are have been uh, our biggest recruiter over the years, actually. When they get here and they tell their friends and they come from St. Louis and uh, as far as California, the East Coast, Texas, Minneapolis, Chicago, we get them coming from all over. You know, there's probably no better person in the world of jazz to ask this question to as both a performer, recording artist, and an educator. How healthy is jazz as an organism in 2020? Oh, very healthy, very strong. You know, um, I think the most important thing for um, these young musicians coming up is uh, getting the experience and um, 
I'm keep hoping that they keep reaching out to us older ones uh, because I tell them I've been your age once, but you haven't never been mine. So I understand what I needed at your age, and so we're trying to give it to them too. It's it's our duty, you know, to pass it on, and it's so great that there are many, many performers and players that can uh, walk the walk as well as talk the talk inside of academia all around the country these days. So retirement for a, a, a typical person means maybe kicking back on the porch with a lemonade, but that's not going to be the case for you. What's retirement look like for Bobby Watson? <laughs> More touring. Uh, I was in New York last week, and we just uh, the week before we was touring. I was touring with Horizon. We was in Pittsburgh, up in Vermont, down to Maryland. Uh, two nights at uh, Dizzy's Coca-Cola at Jazz Lincoln Center. Then the next week, last week, I was in New York rehearsing, and uh, I did a, another record recording for Smoke Sessions Records, Smoke Records, and uh, quart, uh, quart, quartet date and. Uh, That'll come out in a few months, and to me, more touring, more touring, going back to what I was doing before I uh, landed here in Kansas City, just uh, more writing, more practicing, more listening, more studying, more traveling, just uh, getting back to where I was before, you know, getting ready to to fly again. (laughs) Cool. Very cool. So what do you like best about being a performer? What's the best thing about being on stage? I think taking the audience on a journey, uh, making them forget about time, and uh, trying to uplift them, and feeling the appreciation from them hearing live acoustic jazz and knowing that it is still a vital and viable art form in terms of swinging and uh, with acoustic instruments and knowing that it is a proven formula and, and works all over the world. And um, it's great to uh, get an audience that's uh, saying that, man, um, I thought jazz, didn't think I'd hear any jazz like this anymore. And so we're, 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 we're holding the banner up, you know, and I just love playing for people that, you know, listening and, you know, uh, enjoying, uh, you know, they don't want to sit on their hands and, you know, it's not a, it's not the, it's not the opera. So, uh, you know, if they want to go, yeah, they stand up or they start clapping or get up and start dancing a little bit. We just want to move people and like uh, Art used to say, uh, wash away the dust of everyday life. We want them looking at their watch and say, my God, where'd the time go? Oh. Yeah, without a doubt. So, what was one of the first live jazz shows that you ever saw that really made you think, man, this is what I want to do? Well, believe it or not, I think the first one I saw, I saw the Buddy Rich Big Band, when Richie Cole was in the band. And uh, and then um, I saw Phil Woods. Um, I saw Count Basie. Uh, I saw Weather Report. Uh, I saw the uh, CTI All-Stars here in Kansas City. Uh, with Freddie Hubbard and uh, uh, Stanley Turrentine and uh, those guys. I saw uh, 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 Grover Washington back in the day down at Union Station when they used to have uh, jazz down there. They had a club. Um, 
you know, the first one was I actually saw live was Buddy Rich, though, in the Big Bear up in Minneapolis. Man, that's beautiful. So let's say you have a dream tonight and you run into yourself, like, in your late 20s, early 30s, and you can give yourself one, one bit of advice. What advice are you going to give your younger self? Hmm, that's a good question, Joe. Um, I would say to my younger self, uh, don't worry, uh, be patient, and uh, keep the faith. Stay positive, stay humble, and uh, keep that horn in your mouth, and everything else will work out fine. Right on. So I think it's very evident and abundant in what you've done in jazz that that you love jazz. But in your own words, why do you love jazz? I love jazz because I can express things on my horn and feelings and emotions that I can't put into words. So those are the things, whether it be sadness or joy or reminiscing or... uh, um, projections of the future, history, all that kind of stuff, things that I can't express in words, I can express through music, and jazz is the perfect vehicle for that. Because if you're, when you're up there, you're, you're, you're naked, and you're, you're burying your soul. And so um, it uh, takes a lot of courage, and I, I like that, you know. You're out on a limb. You don't know what's going to happen each day, even though you you know the music. It's always different. So it's always fresh. Cool. So everyone has their perception of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your students, your fans. But you're living your life. Who do you think you are? I'm a messenger. I'm a messenger. You know? Uh, I'm like a Pied Piper. I want to try to bring people in. To the music, uh, I want to try to heal people through the music. Uh, I, I'm just, a, I'm just a messenger. I'm a scribe. When I write music, I, I hear it and I write it down before I forget it. So uh, they, I, they call it being a composer. And yes, you have to have certain skills of the craft, as they call it. But basically, I'm a scribe. The one last thing I wanted to kind of weave into this, I was fascinated by this segment on the radio. I think it was either KCR or maybe KKFI. And someone had asked you some final thoughts on teaching, and you had mentioned something about water. And it was fascinating how you explained it. And it was such a simple notion, but it was unbelievably profound. That I was talking about water being the new oil yeah. of, this, uh, of, this, of this millennium. And so many people uh, don't drink enough water. And that's the thing over the years I learned to drink a lot of water. And that that helps uh, so many things in your body. I mean, you can drink tea or energy drinks or juice, uh, whatever. That's not water. Uh, Water is the pure uh, fuel for your body. So I, uh, I encourage everybody to drink more water. Because that's uh, it's, it's going to be at a premium, you know. Just when they first, you know, first started bottling water, you know, that was weird, you know. And the, you know, we was up in Vermont the other day, and 
you know, it's hard to find bottled water up there. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they know how to get it, but, you know, I say, hey, we're in Vermont. We can drink the water right out of the tap, you know. <laughs> and, and believe it or not, Manhattan has some of the cleanest water. Manhattan, wow. New York has some of the cleanest water in the country. Wow. You I wouldn't no think idea. so. Mm-hmm. Wow. But just being able to drink, you know. So I always try to drink uh, even tap water where I'm at, you know. There's a very few places where I wouldn't drink the water. Yeah, you know, you know, like Flint, Michigan, or something. But you know, right. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but so, uh, that's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that's wild. So my final question to you is this: What do you like best about Kansas City? I like the open space here. I like uh, the pace. People are friendly. You know, I mean, it's my home, so it's hard to say. You know, Joe, it's uh, I'm home now. And it, and I I feel like it's it's home. I'm home. Uh, we were happy, to, lucky enough to come back and be able to be here for our Pam and both Pam and my parents. So uh, we was with them till the end, and that was very important. And uh, I've had offers to try to uh, uh, put my name in a hat for other jobs like Juilliard or UCLA or Oberlin. <clears throat> But I told them all, I said, anyway, Chicago, I said, I'm home now. I don't want to leave. I'm very comfortable here. I love the wide open skies. I love the sound of the trees, the wind, and I love the clouds. Those are like our mountains. And uh, it's just beautiful here. I, I love it. I love the four seasons. They're not so clear anymore, but, you know, <laughs> you know. But uh, it's great here. I just love it, you know. I always love New York. I always love New York, but, you know, I always can't wait to get back. I was there, you know, in New York about two weeks, really. And But uh, I always want to come back. I need to come home. Beautiful. Bobby, thank you very much for taking time out to talk with me tonight. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Bobby for his time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz all the time, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.